and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 194. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside the Oscar-nominated Mike. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. that one. I was uh, I was playing this um, new uh, like uh, guess who game over the holidays, and you know when you're trying to guess like you know you always say like actor, musician, or whatever first. Um, people would be like Oscar nominated, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, I gotta Google. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that kind of you know weeds out some people, but still, it's like. You know, there, I mean, there's clearly some actors that have won several, like Anthony Hopkins, you know, has won yeah. several Oscars. But then you have, like, so they'll say a name like Hugh Jackman, and I'm like, I don't know. Has he, I don't know if he's won one or two. I don't know. I, it's stuff you got to Google, you know? Yeah. But, I, I don't have enough knowledge for that. Yeah. I played some pretty intense games of Guess Who. Oh, yeah? Remember Guess Who? Yeah. yeah. Is that the um, Is that the one where you have the, the, the faces that you knock down? Yeah. Yeah, right. It it uh it I started realizing partway through because we're playing with the boys because I got it for Christmas and mm-hmm. um I'm realizing partway through that this entire game just basically boils people down to their physical appearance <laughs> and offers some very awkward questions for yeah. seven and eight year old kids like skin tone. <laughs> well, like um, I'm zoning on the word, but you know the. You know the cloth that uh, women wear usually in like Middle Eastern countries over their head. He yeah. shop, thank you. So shop. one of the so this new version of Guess Who is very like diverse, and one of the people is wearing a hijab. And one of the questions was, do they wear a hat? You know, standard Guess Who questions. And one of the boys just looks at me and goes, "Does the cloth thingy count?" And I'm just <laughs> like, "Yeah." <laughs> I guess. I mean, technically, I mean, by definition, it's something you wear in your head, right? So, but I don't know if that—that's probably super offensive. But you yeah. know, I don't have a good answer for an eight-year-old and Christmas right. afternoon for that. So, well, I guess, I guess the whole thing is, it's good that he's asking those questions, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. I think yeah. I think we get like ninety-nine percent of those questions right. This was the one where I'm just like, I don't know what the fucking tell you. <laughs> yeah. So you got guess who? Man, I haven't played guess who. Wow. It's got to be at least 20 years since I played that game. Yeah. It was unfortunate that it wasn't like Star Wars Guess Who or something. I was going to say, do they make it? They must make a Star Wars Guess they Who. They must. But then uh, we could have gotten real nerdy about shit. Oh, I wish I had I wish I had the the game that I got. Actually, it's it's right here. Let me I I want to do a reveal for this. I don't want to just tell you about it. Oh, Mike's going off camera, everybody. Where is he going? He's coming. He's coming back, everybody. I I didn't know this existed. That that's hilarious. (laughs) For people who aren't watching on camera, it's a game, and it's called Ganja Land. Um, it's just like Candy Land, but everything is ganja related. I got it. I you can't really see it, but like, I'll read some of the, the. This is probably one of the 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 best gifts I've gotten. Um. You know, there's like a there's like a brownie. There's a giant Cthulhu monster in the lake, and he's holding like a bong and a pipe and a joint, all his, and his tentacles. But uh, it's like, and there's like a Where's Waldo situation. So sometimes you'll draw cards, and you have to find people on the map. And there's like there's like a giant dragon, and there's a knight like fighting the dragon instead of holding a, a sword. He's holding a joint, and he's like trying to light it with the dragon's breath and stuff. Oh, it's amazing. That's, that's what one does when fighting a dragon. 
Yeah. You're it's, fucked. You might as well get stoned. Yep. And it's got these great characters. Like, there's a there's a cat that's, like, baked that you can play as. You can play as a leprechaun that's baked. You can play as a wizard with a bong. It's, like, very awesome gift. Ganjalan, if anybody's... Uh, and it, it it does it does prefer you to play while you're high. Just letting you know. I I, I mean, completely sober. I had a great time too. So either way, it, it's like Candyland for adults. So. Oh well, we'll have to have a game night sometime then. Yeah, it was. Uh, anyways, I just I thought you would appreciate. It. I thought it was a fun gift to show off. Yeah. So I got. We talked about off mic. But I got my air fryer. That's all yeah. I've been cooking like crazy. I don't. And, do you like? That's exciting. Like that air fryer, like I was excited for you when you told me that and I think that it's like part of being an adult now is getting excited about like cooking utensils. And it's like the first time in a long time that somebody's got me something that I legitimately wanted and right. was trying to purchase. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. that was really cool about it too. Like I, I kind of was at the point where if uh I was thinking about getting it next year when like tax season was finished up and mm-hmm. I figured out how much money I owed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh So yeah, that was like the big one. And then what else? Oh yeah, so uh my stepson's bought me a Elf on the Shelf, but it's a Philadelphia Eagles Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's, uh, once again, very PC because it's uh, brown skin, so I call it my Jalen Hurts elf, elf on the Shelf. There you go. Um, and then that was pretty much it. I mean, there's a few little things. You know, candy and shit, but mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Cool. Yeah, it's I mean, a, good Chris- a good Christmas, though. Yeah, it's, it's just nice to see everybody, and especially, yeah. um, you know, amid the pandemic, only well, saw a few people here and there, but... Uh, Oh, it was nice to be there. I uh, learned a valuable lesson too. What's that? So I bought the the boys the Super Mario Legos. Oh yeah. So hey, I got to play with Legos all day. That was awesome. Uh, um, not disappointed. But the way those Lego sets work, so the Mario you get isn't like a standard Lego figure. Mm-hmm. It's like a one you build, and it's this big thing that actually takes batteries and shit. It's really what? Weird. Yeah. Look it up. It's like it's kind of cool how they do it because like you can build courses and actually play with your Mario and you make sounds and like oh. you get coins with them and shit. It's weird. Oh. But to anyone out there that's thinking about getting these, the sets don't come with a Mario. So I oh. bought them both sets that cost me like eighty to hundred dollars. Really nice big sets, a lot of fun. But then I found out after the fact that there's a starter set you have to buy, which is another sixty dollars. Everybody. <laughs> that comes with Mario. And that's oh. the only way to get Mario. So wow. luckily, their birthdays are like right around the corner because I know what they're getting for their birthdays now. <laughs> but, but I was very upset because I was like, this is a really cool gift. And I was really excited because they were going to have these like big play things to do with, play with Mario. Yeah. And, yeah. And no fucking Mario. Oh, man. You know, Lego, come on. Yeah. Like, at least let me. I was ready to go to the store. The day after Christmas, I went through the droves of people trying to return shit they didn't want. Yeah. To go buy a Lego Mario. Think it's gonna be like ten bucks or whatever. And they don't make it. That's At least crazy. they don't make it in the package by itself. Yeah. yeah. You gotta pay. You gotta pay, you know. You know, when I when I would get we didn't have like trademarked sets when I was a kid. It was just like the ninja temple. You know? And they came with the ninjas. That's it. 
The best set I ever got growing up was the alien spaceship. Oh, and yeah. I, today it would be like one of those $250 sets. But I know, yeah. knowing my father, that was probably like an $80 set at most. Yeah. And it was well, just like a very generic alien spaceship, but I loved yeah. it. Yeah, like the ninjas were just like, it was just like a house with a like a Japanese roof. And then you had like a rope they could climb. But it was like, I never built any of that shit. I would just play with the, the, the ninjas. At a oh. time. When I got sets, I was like the I was the Kevin Smith of kids. Like, nope, we we build the set and it stays like that. And don't touch it ever again. <laughs> yeah. But then I had my piles of Legos where I'm just like, I'm gonna build whatever fuck I want with them. But they yeah. were two separate things. Mm. Okay, because I was not. a maniac. Well, this is the uh, this is the last episode before the end of the year. Uh, last episode in 2020. Thank God. Holy crap, we're out of here. Yeah. So I saw a meme the other day that was uh, 2021 is just going to be 2020 prestige level one. Oh, no. <laughs> and that hurt inside. <laughs> Made me feel some things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we with all the bad in 2020, we're going to talk about all the good that was happening between uh, our favorite comics, writers, artists, multimedia. Yeah. Um, but uh, that being said, I did start... Uh, I started Lovecraft Country. Um, I'm halfway through the the first season. There's only one season. I didn't know it was a book. I guess. Um, yeah, I found that out too. It's it's. I mean, yeah. It like going from episode two to three. There's like a time skip and a lot of like. Um, there's a lot of like hand waving of like when they go to places and come back. But like overall, it's pretty good and uh, it's it's definitely like one of the craziest things I've watched on TV. Um, and I know, uh, is it Key or Peel? One of them is a producer, and so is J.J. Abrams. So, like, when I saw J.J. Abrams' name pop up, you know, it's like, oh, shit, they're going to get involved in time travel <laughs> or something. You know, like, he's going to, you know, J.J. Abrams in those meetings, like, well, if there was more time travel, <laughs> I'm, like, waiting for it. And they mentioned a time machine in one of the episodes, and I'm like, God damn it, J.J., here we go. <laughs> um... Well, one of the complaints I heard about the show was that the book is, like, way less graphic. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I don't think the sh- I mean, the show has moments where it's overly graphic. Right. But I don't think the show is all that graphic to begin with. So what you're telling me is that there's basically no horror elements in the book because... Right, yeah. Because those graphic elements are, like, the most, like, horror-laden parts yeah. of the Yeah, and it's show. not, like... And it's not like jump scare, it's like, you know, body mutilation horror and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's that type of stuff where it's like, well, oh, this it makes me uncomfortable. Well, it's like the ghosts when they have the ghost yeah. scene. And it's yeah. like, what are you going to do? Just have like spooky white ghosts? No, like you, you got to show these people. I think it was all black people that got murdered in that yeah. um, house because the dude was whatever. But you, you got to show all these people and how they were horrifically murdered, and that's what right. their ghost is going to look like. Like, yeah, right. that makes sense. Like, um, but the yeah, so there's like all this like there's mysticism and magic involved. Uh, the main character is somehow related to um, uh, the um, not he's not related to. Help me out here. Um, he's like a direct Lovecraft. descendant of the cult leader that started right. the cult around. All these uh, Lovecraftian things. Yeah, so like the the story is that like the Lovecraft things are there's like truth to them, and that 
you know, the cult leader had an affair with a, one of the slaves and um, she ran away and that's where he comes into play. Like he's related somehow, like his bloodline is related to this weird cult um, that's like looking for the Garden of Eden. It's pretty crazy. I mean, there's obviously a lot of the episodes are related to uh, Lovecraft stories like the shapeshifter one. And then there's the um, the monsters. Obviously, the first episode is a wild ride, like the first episode to get from like where you were to like, you know, the monsters in the woods and stuff. I was like, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it's like especially it really set itself up to be outside of that first sequence, which we talked about, whatever, two weeks ago, one week ago. Yeah. But um, it sets itself up to be just like what it's like in the 50s to be a African-American person. And right. then all of a sudden it's like monsters appear. Yeah. <laughs> monsters appear. But like, yeah, and there's I mean, there's still those like the, the incorporation of like the the racism and stuff works with the story. You know what I mean? It's like it works uh, with the story. And it makes sense for the story, especially yeah. like people. I saw some complaints about it because people, but you also go back and look at Lovecraft and who he was, the person. And it, right. it makes sense to talk about racism when talking about Lovecraft because right. he was a blatant, hardcore racist. Right. And this would make sense of why, if like this is related to his heritage or something like make it part of the story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but it's it's really good. I'm halfway through it. Um, no complaints, really. I, yeah, just there's only ten episodes on HBO. I mean, I've been watching so much stuff on HBO Max. I've been watching Veep. I've been watching uh, the new Harley Quinn show. I'm like done with the first season. Um, that show is hilarious. They announced last week. Sometime between the last episode and this episode, uh-huh. that they're bringing Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, and a bunch of those old cartoons to uh, yep. HBO Max, and I'm so happy. Yep. Yeah the uh, the Harley Quinn show is hilarious. Like the writing, just, I mean, like when she gets her ragtag of heroes or villains with her, like King Shark and Clayface, it is so funny. Like. And they all have like their own. I mean, they they have their limelight of like, okay, we spend time with King Shark and we spend time with with Clayface and, and, and like Poison Ivy and stuff. Oh. And the the voice acting is amazing. Like Moff Gideon shows up as one of the uh, as Lex Luthor. You know, the guy who plays Moff Gideon is Lex oh, Luthor. Oh, really? Um, yeah. You have a uh, you have George Costanza plays like their landlord. He's like this old Jewish man. Um, I, I have all these character names. I just don't know. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But uh, and like Kaylee Kyoko does um does Harley She's Quinn. Harley. Yeah, yeah, I knew that one. Yep. So there's there's a, and there's like you know there's characters that'll pop up. Alan Tudyk does a lot of the voices. Like there's an episode of like Aquaman pops up for an episode. There's a running joke that Batman fucks bats. So <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> the. When was the last season? Last season was season three, right? I think season two, because I'm only on one, and I think there's only two on there. So if there's a running joke about Batman fucking bats, and this is pre-COVID, yeah. they have to make a COVID joke about it. Yeah, I would season, think so, right? right? Like, yeah, I mean, they did it first. <laughs> <laughs> it only makes sense. Because um, I don't know if anyone out there has seen, or if you yourself, Mike, have seen the uh, South Park COVID oh, yeah. special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, like... Randy and Mickey fucking bats. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, and then I watched Wonder Woman. You watched it? I did. And I will say, like, it's good. Like, 
it's an enjoyable movie. I had fun watching it. Is it like, is it the movie of the year? No. Um, but I don't think, like, I know Metacritic had it like a 50 or 40 something. I don't think it deserves all that. Um, and you're starting to see this big difference in like the fans and what the critics think again where like Rotten Tomatoes is at like a 70 and I think the fans might be a little higher than that um but people are just shitting on this movie for no reason I know I see that Patty Jenkins signed on for a third one like she yeah. committed to a third one um people were like it didn't need to be set in the 80s I thought that was fine I thought it was fun like the Steve Trevor trying on outfits that was a fun scene like um the there's not it's not as much action as the first one. Obviously, the first one is just amazing. It'll never be the first one. Um, I what I really want for a third one is to go past all the BVS stuff because yeah. I feel like yeah. they are really hindered by the fact that BVS set up that Wonder Woman disappeared after World War One, right? And then you set this movie in the eighties, so right. There's only like I think the first hour and a half. There's only one scene with Wonder Woman, and it's right. only there to set up the fact that like I saved somebody, but little girl, don't tell anybody, right, right, because that will break continuity. Yeah. Um, I think my I, I'm going to say this: it didn't deserve all the hate that's getting online. I saw both critic and personal people, like people in my personal life, like really hating on this movie, right. And I was kind of like, it took me an extra day to watch it. Cause I was like, great, here we go. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you like think it's going to be a hot garbage or something. Um, but I'll say I didn't really enjoy it either. Like, I thought it was a very okay movie. Yeah. And that might safe. be worse. I think for me, that might be worse than actually hating it. Because I didn't have like a very real strong opinion on it. I was just like, okay, it was like a decent movie. Yeah. I'll probably never watch it again. Right, it's not something I'd watch again. I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies more than once, but um, I I did like some of the fan servicey moments, though. Yeah. Uh, so first to go through it, like the a lot of the the one to ones with the seventies Wonder Woman show was really cool. Like yeah. a lot of the outfits come from that. A lot of the scenes mm -hmm. come from that. Mm -hmm. Um, the explanation for Steve Trevor coming back was interesting. Yep. And then, like, the Invisible Jet was the big one. Like, yeah, the Invisible, bringing the invisible jet, jet into it was cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, they definitely don't need to bring, like, leave Steve Trevor dead the, for the next movie, I think. Um, yeah. I think Cheetah was good. I didn't mind Cheetah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I think, I mean, Pedro Pascal stole the show, though. Like, yeah, I mean, Pedro is, he, Mando, as I like to call him, um, yeah. was really embracing his inner 80s um, action star. Yeah. Because he was definitely, like, chewing the scenery throughout. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. at the end. Yeah. I thought the biggest problem with Cheetah was that she wasn't in it enough. Yeah, right. I think that was her biggest, like, flaw, was she had, like, really two scenes, and the final fight scene, like, wasn't really that great. Yeah. I think they needed more fight scenes or something like that. And quick spoilers, everybody. Fast forward a minute or whatever if you don't want to hear this, but I, I kind of am sick of the old trope of, like, what happens when the superhero loses their superpowers. Yeah. And right. that was kind of the basis for this movie. It was, like, she's slowly losing her superpowers. Mm -hmm. And at the end, she gets them back to save the day. Like, <laughs> Yeah. 
that was kind of another thing. But like I said, it was okay. Go watch it. Um, check it out. It's you know it is what it is. I mean, it's that movie of the year. Um, I mean, it's probably one of the only movies that came out this year, honestly. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was a fun watch. And I mean, like, it's on HBO Max, so just give it a watch. You know, it's easily yeah, accessible. Basically, watch it for free right now. And I will say it's way better than Mulan, I think. And Mulan didn't get half the hate because the Chinese censorism on the internet. <laughs> and so I didn't watch Mulan, so I won't right. touch too much on like quality of it. But it's also like we didn't have to pay thirty fucking dollars for this either. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I'm still really mad about that decision. That was a dumb right. decision. Right. <laughs> um. So what do you think? You want to jump into these top fives? Yeah, where do you want to start? You want to start with artists? Uh, yeah, let's start with artists. Um, so anybody that's new to the show, and we did grab a bunch of new listeners this year. So nice. the last show of the year is always uh, our you know best of the year. So we do our top five uh, artists, writers, uh, our top five favorite comics of the year, and then usually we do our top five favorite movies. But a twenty twenty didn't have a lot of movies, and b We've been kind of feeling that like more comic related stuff is getting really good, so we changed it into our top five multimedia. So I won't be surprised yes. if Mando shows up on this. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, all my multimedia stuff is like TV shows, <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, and I'll, I have my reasoning for like who I picked and stuff like that, um, like. We'll just talk about artists. Just because I picked the artist for the book doesn't mean I like the book, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. So why don't you start with your number five favorite artist of the year? So yeah, number five, we'll go with uh, Josh Josh Kassara. He was uh, okay. he was on the show. Everybody, if you if you I don't know how many episodes back, maybe a handful of episodes back, um, he is one of the Stormbreakers, and uh, he's working on Alpha Flight right now, right? Um, doing some X Force. X Force. Sorry. Uh, doing some X-Men stuff right now. Um, and his art is just awesome. He's a cool dude, very deserving of uh, the spotlight they're putting him under. So, uh, yeah, that was my number five. Uh, my number five is Greg Capullo. Nice. Um, Dark Knight's Death Metal has just been one hell of a series so far. And even, like, the last issue we, we um, read... And we weren't so hot on it, but the art throughout it was just amazing. Like, I think right. he's been doing a really good job of his backgrounds. Um, his characters are getting better and better by the day. Like, I just, I think he's going to be on this list for a while as long as he's making comics. Because I think every time he puts out a new series, it's better than the last. Yeah, he's my number two. So, don't really need an explanation there. Like he said, he, um, yeah, as long as he's there this year, he's going to be I mean, he just the variety he's drawing in Dark Knight's Death Metal is is insane, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, all the the characters you expect to create for that series too, right? Like, right. Yeah, that's wild. So, what about your number two? Oh, yeah, Jumping he was. Number, he was oh, your number sorry, two. Four, we're jumping four. four. Yeah. Four. Yeah. I'm. I'm reading it, you know, backwards. My bad. But yeah, I meant number four. <laughs> so Capullo's number number four is what I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then my number four is Dale Eaglesham. Oh, yeah. Um, we were kind of iffy about the end of Shazam, mm-hmm. but 
that's because of writing, not because of art. The art throughout Shazam was amazing. Yeah. And I think he's one of the top artists at DC right now. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I hope he gets the chance to do something other than Shazam uh, coming next year because I'm really excited to see what he's yeah. got. So my my um, my three was Eagle Sham or Gary Frank, and I kind of sided with Eagle Sham just because of um, uh, the Watchmen uh, book didn't really it kind of trailed into this year, right? So. But so did Shazam. So it was kind of a toss-up between Eagle Sham and Gary Frank. Everybody knows Gary Frank of how he draws and and how amazing he is. But I did want to put a spotlight on Eagle Sham just because he's up and coming, and um, I think he should he should. And as far as consistency goes, because you know how long Gary Frank takes to draw something, so <laughs> um, Eagle Sham is I think really good quality. And I don't think he was the reason the book was delayed. I think it was all you know Jeff Johns. So. Um, yeah, that was my number. My number three would be either Gary Frank or him. Oh, I'm gonna step behind you. Uh, I feel like you're not gonna have this one though, Marco Cicchetto. Mm. Uh, Marco is doing the Daredevil book with Chip Zdarsky right now, and I never want him to leave Daredevil. It's, yeah, the way he draws Daredevil, the the swing scenes with Daredevil are amazing. Um, spoilers, everybody, but now with uh, Elektra taking over as Daredevil. And how they designed that uh, costume and what she's doing, like everything about it was amazing. Uh, even scenes where, like, where it's kind of goofy, where Daredevil is being prosecuted for murder, but he mm-hmm. doesn't have to take off his mask, so it's Daredevil with a suit on. Like, <laughs> even those scenes are just like you look at it, and you're like, damn, like this dude can draw. That's awesome. And he takes away some of the goofiness of it. So mm, I. Cool. Everybody should read Daredevil, if not just for his art, but it's also a really amazing book. Uh, number two is uh, for me is Liam Sharp, who's on uh, oh, yeah. the Green Lantern book with uh, Grant Morrison. It's tough because there's been a lot of great art this year. Um, I mean, regardless of if you enjoy a book, good art is good art. You know what I mean? Like whether yeah. And a lot of these books, I'm not like these aren't my top books of the year, but. The art, I mean, Liam Sharp is just, like, the worlds he takes you to and the things. Like, to keep up with Grant Morrison's, like, acid-frilled mind is is hard to do. But um, it's one of the things that kept me coming back to that book was just, like, it works with the sci-fi and, you know, traversing space and everything, wherever they go across the multiverse. I think he's just a great artist. That was your number two, right? Yep. My number two is Ryan Stegman. Nice. Uh, a guy who I didn't really know about a few years ago and now is like one of my favorite artists. Mm-hmm. Um, Venom's amazing. Uh, if you're not reading Venom, I don't know what you're doing with your life. And we've only gotten two issues of it, but King in Black, everything he's drawn for that. Uh, this has been kind of his big chance to come out and show everybody how good he is with all the characters, all the new designs he has to do. Um, all the like intricate backgrounds, big dragons, all kinds of sh- weird shit. Mm-hmm. But I've just been loving his work uh, on that book. He's done some side books this year too. I think he's not only great but prolific, and I uh, look forward to more of him next year. Yep, I agree with that. Um, my number one, he might have excuse me, he might have only done a few books this year, but um, Jason Fabok for 
the art of three jokers was absolutely amazing um i didn't you know chris and i talked about the story (laughs) i don't really know what the hell's going on but i mean just if you just take out the word bubbles and just flip through the pages that art is probably some of the best art you'll see out of dc comics um and that's i mean everybody knows whenever fabok drops his book you you know it's going to look awesome so the biggest shame of that book is that it's not a traditional uh, oversized black label book so that i can look the art more yeah so that I mean, Fabok, he's he, everything he draws is just the, the lines are so hard. You know what I mean? Like the everything is just it's detailed, makes sense, and it's not like he puts like muscles on people, but the muscles aren't over the top or like wacky. And um, he draws like my best, my favorite Batman is like a Fabok Batman for sure. So yeah, he comes the closest to realism without painting as mm-hmm. like a. And Alex Ross does, in my opinion. Yep. Like, yep. like Alex adds that extra layer because he paints it, and it really brings out the characters more. But his the realism in his um, pencils is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, just look at the Joker's face; it's so creepy. <laughs> yeah. My number one is uh, a guy who's on this list. It feels like every year, Ivan Reese. Oh yeah. Um, Ivan Reese, in my opinion, is the best guy going at DC. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know why he doesn't have more of a spotlight on him. Um, I first discovered him when he did the Aquaman series with Jeff Johns. Yep. And uh, recently he's been doing um, Superman with Bendis. Mm-hmm. And I saw he was on something for next year, and I can't remember what it was. But he's like one of the few artists out there, one of like a handful where I see his name and I'll check out the book based on his art alone. Right. Um, I just love his work i mean he he does it comic booky but it's got a real cool style to it almost a realistic style Mm -hmm. and yeah he's amazing i love him so much like i said there's so many good artists that like you say that i'm like oh shit yeah yeah, he's he was good for the list too so it's good that we had different uh you know different sides here yeah um and i always forget is it forever evil was that yeah yep so forever evil was a book that was uh it was Mike and I's favorite, the Earth 3 crime syndicate. Right. But Ivan Reese does the art for it. And every part of that book, the fact that Jeff Johns kind of comes back and does a simplistic story, Ivan Reese's art in it, and just the fact that it's the crime syndicate, that's the perfect entryway to Ivan Reese as an artist because I think it's some of his best work. And I just love that book all around. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, just like the way he drew the crime syndicate was like, oh, damn. Um, so what are we doing next? Let's jump over to writers. All right. My number five writer is uh, Stephanie Phillips, represent. Oh. Uh, um, just because, uh, I mean, just the one shots that she has done. Uh, she's got her new uh, Red Atlantis book out that's really enjoyable. Just, just to see her grow from our first interview to what she's doing now at DC. Uh, she had a couple of those one shots with like, you know, uh, Ted Grant, and then she did a um, Red Tornado story, and just to see her, uh, you know, becoming a name in the industry is awesome, so I felt like she deserved the shout-out. Yeah, I remember meeting her at a con. Yeah. She was doing it. She did a book about... Ice skating, right? Hockey? First, it was the first women's hockey league. Yeah, right. And she's, like, a big hockey fan. I remember we were yeah. talking about it. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually, yeah, we had a personal connection with one of her artists, and... Yep. 
yeah, she was just a really real and cool person. And then like years later, I almost feel like personally invested in her career because I'm like, <laughs> we found you when you were this. And then yeah, right. we interviewed you for a few other things. Then you got the after shot and then like it just yeah. blew up from there. Yeah. Well yeah. deserved. Yeah. Well, good for her. My number five is Scott Snyder. Okay. Um, we haven't talked about much on the, the main show, but the return of American Vampire, which is one of my favorite series that he's ever done. Yep. Um, and then what he did with uh, Death Metal and like the complexity, yet the the fact that like someone like me, who's like a, a kind of average DC fan, come into it and really right. get into it. Mm-hmm. I I think he's he's a guy that. When you talk about Scott Snyder with somebody, you either get Scott Snyder's the greatest ever or Scott Snyder doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> and I think it's somewhere in between where I'm like, I think he's a really great writer who just is does things that kind of splinter people for some reason. Yeah, right. But even the, the most diehard Snyder haters I know are loving death metal. And I know a few of them that are just like, there's no way he's doing this alone. He can't. Like, he's not capable of this book. And I'm just like, he is. He's a great writer. He deserves to be on this book, on mm-hmm. this list. Um, and Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, he's going to be on mine, too, just a little higher up. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number four is James Tinian the Fourth. Not because his name has a four, but... Uh, just be, and he's not my favorite writer, but he improved so much this year with Batman, and I think he finally found his groove. You know, I wasn't—he wasn't always my favorite writer. Um, he was but, a joke at one point on the show. Yeah, like he right. was a guy we made fun of at one point. Right, on right. Show. For Batman Eternal, we were kind of like, "Oh, poo poo on this guy," but uh, I think he's turned around. And he kind of understands the fans, and he kind of made his Batman run his own, which is like something I've been waiting for him to do. Like, try not to like dabble in what other people have been doing um so yeah he i think he deserves my number four i'm excited i'm actually excited to continue with batman and see where he goes um i think his biggest problem was he was kind of a underling to snyder and he so he's always doing like snyder would set up something and then he'd be like here here james do this so he like he did that talent series Mm -hmm. and yeah batman eternal was another one like he did all this weird stuff and i think this year hearing from you and other bat uh fans that i know that series is really good and then department of truth like it's just a really cool series that mm-hmm. people aren't talking about that mm-hmm. really should check out right but that being said my number four is chip zadarsky nice <laughs> um i love chip i love chip the person i love chip the writer i love chip zadarsky <laughs> we talked about his daredevil run um with marco so I won't go too much into that. It's amazing. And then like just some of the other stuff he's done at Marvel and uh, that book Stillwater. I got to read the first issue of that and that was really good too. Like I mm. I think he's a guy that's like on the precipice of being a household name. Um, awesome. He's just got to get that right book at that right time. Right. Yeah, he's just... Uh, it's going to happen. Um, my number three was Scott Snyder. Like you said, uh, I mean, just bringing all the Dark Knight metal with the comic book science together. Um, and I, I did start reading um, 
American Vampire this year. So just you know, just a little reminder of how how good of a writer that guy is. Um, yeah, and I mean that like I I don't think I need to say too much more than what you said. How he brings everything together, and it, even though you know he comic book science is the shit out of it, it makes sense. And some of the things that he does are kind of like oh cool like. Didn't know I wanted to see that, but like, yeah, Wonder Woman with a chainsaw, like, sure. <laughs> you know, like with an invisible chainsaw. Okay. Yeah. He, I get it. Well, I forgot to mention it, but Undiscovered Countries has too. Oh, right. Yeah. And like, I've been yeah. loving that series too. So, yep. Nice. And now you're number three. Number three is Jonathan Hickman. Oh, yeah. X Men guy himself. Um, Hickman's been a guy I've followed for a long time. I've always loved his work, and he did the impossible. He got me to read X Men. Yeah, and you're still reading it. Yeah, and I'm still loving it. So I just the everything he's done for the X universe right now, um, really recalibrating everything and creating something that's not only was it very accessible for people who don't like X Men, mm-hmm. but even after this uh, Ten of Swords event, there, you can tell there's a, a huge plan that's coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. This is just like act one of that plan. And uh, I've always loved... He's, he's a tough guy to talk about because what he's doing now is great, but I know half of it none of us really understand because <laughs> it's going to make sense five years from now right, when he finishes right. it. He set it up. But like I said, just the fact that he did the impossible and got me to read an X book is praise alone. Um, let's see. My number two, Jeff Lemire. Um, for pretty much for Gideon Falls, just because like kudos to this guy. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff with Black Hammer and everything. It's amazing. Um, but just the fact that he's still he's still got an ongoing horror book out there in like the mainstream, which is hard to do, you know, it's. And we've always, I mean, we talk about all the time the variety of writing that he can do. Um, But the fact that Gideon Falls is still ongoing and, you know, it's been picked up for a show. But, like, each trade that I read, it doesn't feel like it's being dragged out. You know what I mean? Like, some of the, I can't think of, like, um, Revival was one of those horror books that was, I think, Tim Seeley was on. But, like, it kept, like, I kept dragging it out. Like, okay, well, when are we going to figure out what's going on? But this book is, like... Um, it makes me, I, I'm excited to read like, okay, what's unfolding with each, uh, with each new issue. So, um, my number two is Donnie Cates. Oh, nice. Um, shocking to everybody, but yeah, shocking that he's not number one actually. Yeah. What the hell? Uh, but Venom, Rednecks, uh, what else? Thor was this year. He's just been firing all cylinders again. Like, I, I don't know when this dude's gas tank like runs low, but we haven't seen it yet. And I hope we never do because I've really yeah. loved everything he's done. Mm-hmm. And then we got in the first two issues of King of black this year and they're really good. So yeah. awesome. Donnie Cates. Um, my number one is Tom Taylor. He's doing, uh, uh, the prequel to, um, uh, and Justice Dads Among Us. Yep, Year Zero, which is awesome. He's play, He's been playing around with the uh, Justice Society and doing crazy stuff with them, so that's been awesome. And also, his uh, Suicide Squad run is really good. Um, and that's hard to do with the Suicide Squad book, I think, and he did a really great job uh, touching on each of the characters and doing this, you know, wacky, um, not really wacky story, but, 
pretty cool story uh, with a big reveal at the end, big twist. So, uh, yeah, kudos to him. And he's doing a bunch of other stuff, like he's doing the Hellblazer book right now. So I, I just have yet to check that out. Yeah, I need to check that one out, too. Uh, my number one is Jeff Lemire. Oh, there you go. Um, but for uh, different reasons than Mike. Uh, okay. I, I love Black Hammer and everything going on in Black Hammer. Yep. Jeff Lemire has created a brand new superhero universe that I care about, and that is really tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year he's done a bunch of side books for that. Um, the main book kind of faltered this year, but we've been getting all these like ancillary books to go along with it. And then he did an Immortal Hulk book that was really good. Mm -hmm. He's been all over the place. And um, for somebody who's doing as much as he is, for it to be as quality as it is, is another testament to him altogether. So, yeah, love me some Jeff Lemire. Um, Let's see. Comics? Comic series. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Let's see. I have Rogue Planet, Cullen Bunn, for my number five. Um, It was an interesting story. came out this year, a horror story. Um, That was the one thing. It was like, what series started this year? Because I wanted to at least get one of those. Um, I know Rogue Planet did. Uh, I think it started, like, right at the beginning of the year. Pretty crazy, wacky story. Not wacky, but, like, horrific story. You know, like, weird um, aliens or humans crash landing on a planet where there's this weird tribe and they worship something that ended up being an alien or uh, another alien ship that had landed there years before. I thought it was a really cool story, wrapped it all up in one trade. Um, yeah, Colin Bunn, we all know he's a great writer and all the cool stuff he's doing. So, um, yeah. So I, I had trouble with my number five, so I want to mm-hmm. do a quick shout out. Um, my shout outs to Harleen, which is the Stefan Sajek book about Harley yep. Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love that book. But my real number five is going to go to Legion of Superheroes. Mm. Um, I've never cared about the Legion of Superheroes, and Ben just found a way to make me care yep. and really enjoy it. And I, I haven't seen a solicitation for another issue um going into next year excuse me other than the future state one but i kind of hope this is an ongoing series i kind of hope he keeps doing it and uh Mm -hmm. it's not just a quick 12 issues and done because there's a lot there to mine and i think he's made it so that they're not just they the it's not just a book that only the fans of legion can get only the 50 plus year olds that read it way back in the 60s can get. <laughs> I know. And you always hear them talking, oh, Legions were great. It's like, well, when is our book coming out? <laughs> yeah, and I, I always try Legion. Um, yeah. Tried it in the New 52. I tried it um, a bunch of times throughout my life, but it never clicked. And this is the first time it clicked, and I really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Even to that. I, I did too, and I, I was sad that it didn't make my list, but I felt like I had too much DC stuff on there, so um, I'm glad that you talked about it. Uh, my number four was Batman The Adventures Continue. Um, you know, Paul Dini back at it. Uh, really fun stories. Um, you're back in the an- an animated series universe, so that's always fun. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a really cool way to get back into it. 
and a really cool way to get people into digital first. Like that's how you do it, you know. Um, yeah. Animated series works with these smaller, uh, tight knit stories, one shots. You want to hear about these different characters, so do it that way. DC, like, you know, set it up and keep doing that. Um, yep. My number four is Undiscovered Country. Nice. Um, tr- two writers I really enjoy, Scott Snyder and Charles Soule, coming together for a book that it, when it was explained, seemed much different than what it ended up being. Um, the the whole like the pitch of it was that America closed its borders and put up a giant wall and basically said to the rest of the world like you're you do you we do us and they move on so you're thinking there's gonna be a lot of like political uh stuff going on a lot of different conversations about xenophobia and all types of things and not at all that's not what this book is at all right it's about a flu uh not unlike covid that's uh going through the world and somebody in america thinks they have the cure to it. So they send in a team and they find out that there's different sections of America now that have been sectioned off. And one is, a uh, one has a guy that wears a space helmet with crab hands and <laughs> lives in an old Walmart. And one is like this super futuristic, robust city run by AI. And it goes on and on and on. And it just, it broke my expectations of what it could be and should be and mm-hmm. made something that I really fell in love with. Um, so Undiscovered Country, a great book. Awesome. Um, my number three, Dark Knight's Death Metal. Um, everybody knows what a crazy adventure that story's been. Um, don't really need to talk more about it, but if you're not reading it, what the hell are you doing? Uh, and like Chris said, even if you're not a DC fan, it doesn't really you know, shove all that continuity down your throat. It's it's its own thing within itself. And I think it's pretty self-explanatory. So, um, yeah, it's just wild. We're getting the last issue soon. So, uh, can't wait. Yeah. I think next week. Yep. Uh, my number three is Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. Um, when Nick Spencer jumped on this book, and if we all remember Nick Spencer and uh, Ryan Otley was the artist for it. And that mm-hmm. was what got me excited for it was two creators I really loved doing this book. And I thought the book was good. And then it kind of faltered and got to the point where I almost dropped it. And then beginning of this year, they started the storyline that was about the, I think it was called, no, it wasn't Original Sin. It was, um, anyways, and it brought in this character and it was all about this character who had come back from the dead, uh, had gained these extra powers to mm-hmm. cleanse people of their sins. And he went around shooting super villains with a shotgun <laughs> and that would cleanse them of their sins. Yeah. But they, they lived through the blast and uh, ended up becoming productive members of society. And it really like just bent and twisted uh, Spider-Man as a character. It made him really come to like have conversations about things that I've never seen Spider-Man have. Right. Like when the target was Norman Osborn and he's sitting there going like, well, do I just let him? do it and then mm-hmm. stop him afterwards. Cause mm-hmm. it's yeah. Norman. Right. And, uh, and then what's come out after it with, uh, um, this new character that ends up being Norman's son, uh, really trying to push Spider-Man 
over the edge and say like i'm not here i'm not trying to kill you i don't want to end you i want to break you almost like uh bane did to batman um (laughs) but he's doing it in a different way and i just think the book's been fantastic it's been the best spider-man i've read cool uh in my lifetime like that's come out week to week. I know there's better Spider-Man stories, so right, the Spider-Man fans right. stand back. Yeah, watch out, you're gonna get some flack. But it's definitely the best Spider-Man story I've read on a, a month-to-month basis. Cool. My number two was uh, Shang Chi, just because I'm finally getting a kung fu character that I can read, and he's not white. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean Iron Fist is cool and all, but Shang Chi was a great book so far. Um, I think the world building of the Kung Fu universe in Marvel is really interesting to me um, with, um, with, you know, the, the five weapons and, and all the different clans and stuff. I, I love that shit. Like, you know, the old school movies where like, you have all these different clans that are fighting each other and like, Oh, the best Kung Fu person has to defeat this other Kung Fu master to become the best. Um, And Fing Fang Foom, the dragon showing up and stuff. I think it's all awesome. Uh, I love that shit. So, more of that, Marvel. Hopefully, they you know keep this up, and let's see more more Shang Chi. Hopefully, the movie's good because yeah. then that's going to bring more people into it, and then I'm you hoping. will get more of it. I'm hoping. I'm excited to see how Marvel makes me care about a kung fu character. Yeah, let's see it. <laughs> uh, my number two is Daredevil. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier with both the writer and the artist, but um, it's been really great i love daredevil the character i think it's been a great run i think this can go down as one of the better runs of all time mm-hmm. um so everybody if you're even somewhat interested in daredevil check this out i think it's really great um and mine was actually uh suicide squad because i i've always been on the fence about suicide squad um obviously uh everybody talks about what is it the uh ostrander one 90s that everybody loved or 80s um I think this this Suicide Squad was great, and and it showed like you know that some of them want to get out. They don't. I mean, Suicide Squad is always just like, all right, we're gonna go take care of this, we're gonna go take care of that. But it shows like the connection that Deadshot has with his family and his daughter and stuff like that. Um, and then the uh, the like realization when they see Superman, it's like, oh shit, we can't take on Superman if it is Superman and stuff like that. Like they know their place, and Tom Taylor is just good at doing these action. Um, like espionage things yeah. you know i think he did a really good job with that having the mix of like corrupt uh and he had he had a suicide squad that wasn't led by amanda uh, waller so um that was interesting too i think a it's unfortunate he didn't get longer right yeah um but b i my issue with the suicide squad every time is that the premise is really great right and the book never lives up to the premise yep like you're supposed to do these, and then at some point you're able to get time off your sentence and leave. Right. And right. then they always find some like weird way to be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, Amanda Waller was just messing with you." Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But, uh, so my number one was uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal. Nice. I think uh, I heard about that one. <laughs> it's. I think we've talked about it uh, on the show extensively, but. I think we only had one bad issue and it was one of the ancillary issues and everything else around it. I've just really liked the series itself. I think is fantastic. I think the ancillary books have been really good. I've got a couple sitting behind me that I need to read today that I'm excited for. It's, 
one of the few times that I've been, my expectations have been exceeded by what an event book is. Yeah. And that does not happen often. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, multimedia, which is shows, movies, video games, uh, whatever have you. Um, I love my list. Yeah, it's a uh, mine. I think everyone on mine is a. Uh, it's a TV show. So uh, because I've watched a lot of TV shows this year, um, my number five is the Harley Quinn show. Something that I got into recently. Um, on HBO Max, it's very self-aware within the DC universe. There's a lot of those self-aware jokes. The characters are fantastic. The voice acting is fantastic. It's hard for me to like stay watching an animated show, but um, it's it's really enjoyable. And it's you know, if it's Harley Quinn and I'm watching it, it's got to be good. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's a big praise in itself. Just the fact right. that it's Harley Quinn, you watched it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so sticking with Harley Quinn, my number five is the Birds of Prey movie. Nice. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was pre-COVID, so it feels like yeah. ten years ago. Right. Um, yeah, I looked it up and I saw that it was this year, and I was like, I really like that movie. I went into it. Yep. I literally went to that movie just because I was like, my girlfriend wanted to see it, and hey, let's make her happy. And then I left. And I'm like, I actually really like that movie. Other than the fact that they did my girl Huntress dirty, but <laughs> other than that, I thought it was really good. Everything about it was good. Um, the Black Mask was a yep. fantastic rendition of him. Um, they didn't overdo the Harley Quinn in it. It's it, it's shocking how much I really like that movie. Yeah, no, I, I I didn't realize it came out this year. I probably would have had it on my list, but I'm glad we got some different stuff going on here. Um, uh, my my next one is uh, Lovecraft Country. Another thing I just started watching this year um, on HBO Max. Like I said, it's not like anything I've seen on TV. Um, absolutely cool stuff happening. Mysticism, horror, I love all that. So this show's right up my alley. Uh, and I'm, I don't know if it's got another season greenlit yet, but it's uh, it's definitely interesting if you're into that stuff. Check it out. It's awesome. Uh, my number four is going to be a video game. Uh, oh. Marvel's The Avengers. Nice, um, which is interesting because I've heard mixed reviews about that game, so I'm glad you're enjoying it. So I'll say a lot of the negative reviews about it are true. Like The fact that it's this like Destiny-style, constantly living thing was kind of a mistake. Mm. Uh, there's things about it that I really like, and I still do come back to it every so often to, you know, get more gear and do more things. But what I really want to talk about here is that the story, the story mode that it told was awesome. It's, it's another example of this year of taking a character. I could really care less about and making me care because we really center the story around Miss Marvel and Mm. her as a little girl growing up in Jersey. And then this big event happens that kind of changes the world, but she still loves superheroes. So she goes and tries to, after the Terrigen Mist hits and turns all the Inhumans to Inhumans. She gets her powers, decides to go out and bring back the Avengers. And just the the journey she goes on as kind of this fangirl to being a member of the Avengers was awesome. really great, and I really enjoyed it. Cool. And uh, I recommend it. I've seen some people have been able to get it for like next to nothing, like 20 yeah. bucks. If right. you can get it, just do that and play the story. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. Um. My number three 
is Watchmen. Oh yeah, I forgot about Watchmen. Got a lot of HBO shows. Yeah, I know that was another thing. I was like, I I actually redid this like just before the show because I I thought about it and I'm like, oh, I got to remember to write that in my notes. And then I had a list, and then I was like, shit, something's got to come off the list for Watchmen. Uh, whether it's coming out with the second season or not doesn't matter. The first season was beautifully wrapped up in this awesome show that uh, touches on the original uh, storyline of Watchmen. We get to see some characters talking about characters. We even get to uh, make uh, a little fun jabs at uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Um, the origin, writing an origin, you know, what, 40 years later for... Um, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, not Hangman. Uh-huh. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> Is it Hangman? Something like that. But either way, um, like getting his origin and like figuring out, oh, he was like, you know, he was a person of color that was that hero and stuff like that. Um, it was in the, the ambiguity at the end of the last episode with like, um, Hooded justice. Hooded justice. Sorry, Hangman. Um, but yeah, like the Hooded Justice origin was great. Um, and like, yeah, he is Hooded Justice. The fact that we don't know if she got the powers or not at the end was awesome. Um, and I, I thought it was really cool. Like hiding Doctor Manhattan and Ozzy Mendez, you know, being an asshole. Um, it was just, it was awesome. It was, it was such a great story. I thought, and uh, the characters were amazing. So. And that show was a lot of fun week to week to come on the show and right. talk about and be like, oh, yeah. what, what about this and that? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, man, Ozzy Diaz is shooting squids at people. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and another show that deals with racism. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, my number three, speaking of racism, uh, McMillions. <laughs> That's nothing Mc- to do with racism. I just need oh. to oh, okay. the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh I know this one's weird, but it's it's a documentary about people who stole from uh, McDonald's at the Monopoly game, and they end up being a part of the mob. And I it, forgot you told me that. Fucked up, yeah. and I love this series. Yeah, and I I just want more people to watch this series because I think it's awesome. It's, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Like that sounds so crazy. And I always feel like every year I got to put a documentary in this list. And yeah, this, this time it's the McDonald's documentary. <laughs> um, my number two is Mando, Mandalorian. Okay. Um, I mean, we talked about every episode, every, you know, uh, we talked about each episode on every episode of Fortress Comic News. Just the last, I mean, you bring in Luke, of course I'm going to throw it on the list. Like, come on. Um, it was a perfect season. It is like the best show on television, I think. Um, but obviously it's my number two, so there's something I think is better. Um, Mando had its low moments in some of the episodes, I think. Like, there's definitely some, like, scenes where it's like, okay, can we get through this part? You know what I mean? Like, um, but overall, I think it's fantastic world building and building upon characters that we love. So, yeah. I remember episode two was one where I'm just like, why did we do this? And then yeah, some, now, that we've that, got, but... now that we've gotten the announcement about the Rangers of the New Republic, I'm like, that's right. why we did this. That's why, because you uh, get a show, you get a show, they get a show. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, D- or Disney finally made it legit that uh, Boba Fett's getting his own show, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, and it's not going to just become the uh, 
this yeah, is going to become the Mando. Anyway. Yeah, everybody thought it was going to be the Mandalorian, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, my number two, which I think is your number one, mm-hmm. is The Boys. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, you nailed it. That was my number one. That was... I think one lesson I've learned from this year is that I'm kind of over the whole binge thing. Right. Like, drizzle them out to me week to week and let me like enjoy it and have the cliffhanger like we used to back in the day. Mm-hmm. That Putting that aside, I think that uh, the boys really, season two really uh, benefited from that. Like we had a lot of fun with it. They did a lot of cool things. It went way over the line. There was times where I'm just like in the first season, I'm like, there's certain things from the comic they'll never do. Right. I they don't do. believe that anymore. Yeah, yeah they'll do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just, I am super excited for more of this series. Um, yeah. I and I think what it really it. succeeds at is being Earth to the boys and not yeah. just doing a strict adaptation of the boys. Right. And that makes it fun. It makes it new and exciting to watch. And the fact that we're going to start taking down some of these C-class heroes is my favorite part. So I can't wait. Was that your number one? Yeah, that was my number one. Yep. Okay, then it's really but, funny that our one and two switched because yeah. my number one was Mandalorian. And okay. Yeah. I mean, everything Mike said plus Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I got Boba Fett kicking ass. I got Luke coming back and being a hero. Although now the thoughts in my mind of Grogu going to this temple that eventually Kylo Ren's going to destroy what happens to Grogu. Right. That makes us hate Kylo Ren even more. Um, exactly. (laughs) But so much good happened in the series. I like the way it ended to set up kind of a a post baby Yoda world for the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Um, and it proved that we can do some of these, bring some of these characters we love and do new things with them and, uh, reintroduce them to a different audience and they still work. It's the characters really shine. So. Um, do I do want to shout out to Cobra Kai though because that new episode, the new season comes out January first on Netflix, and that was a lot. I mean, that should be on my list somewhere. I just don't have room for it. But Cobra Kai is an amazing show. Even if you're not a huge Karate Kid fan, I've had like everybody I've talked to watch that and just loves it. It's so much fun. So, plus Kung Fu. <laughs> you know, come on, what more do you need? Um, so I rediscovered in 2020 the show King of Queens. I think we talked about this. Oh yeah, yeah. I've watched a lot of those episodes. Yeah. Um, and I realized that the first couple seasons of that, uh, they actually have a extended universe, uh, the King of Queens extended universe, mm. where they bring in uh, Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, that's awesome. And all of his family. And yeah, I was like, this so is funny. happening back in the 90s. Wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. That is awesome. Oh, Plus, man. it was a lot of fun when they had the FedEx episode, and I'm like, I work there. <laughs> hey, that's me. Um, but yeah, that's that's our uh, 2020 wrapped up in the awards. Um, so everybody, come back next week. We got an awesome interview lined up, and I'm yep. super excited about it. Yeah. But uh, until then, Mike, where can people follow you on the internet? You can follow me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? They can follow me at Fortress Chris on Twitter or chrisrunt.com, uh, which is currently being revamped, so hopefully you'll have some new stuff up on it soon. Revamped. We'll talk more about it next week. Um, you can also follow the uh, podcast on YouTube at its new YouTube link, which is now 
youtube.com slash fortress comics so oh. that's going to implement everything we have under the fortress comics banner fortress comic news still being the flagship podcast but also the bat friends podcast uh we're gonna have a new youtube show i'm gonna be doing next year uh next year's gonna be a lot of fun <clears throat> oh yeah and i hope to be doing a lot more uh with this and hopefully growing the community a lot more in 2021 and maybe even seeing you all in person at a con maybe we can do that that would be awesome getting outside um, but for now, if you're listening to us on a podcatcher, give us a five star review there. It helps us reach more ears. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, share, comment down below. And uh, yeah, if you want to go the extra mile, 2021, patreoncom slash comic news. Go there, get all the special goodies, and hopefully uh, help reach some goals so we can get some more special goodies for you all. Yes, please. So, yeah. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next year. See you next year. 